0: All right. Good morning, transit family. Good morning, transit family. Feel free to grab a seat. Feel free to grab a seat. Happy New Year. Who here is excited for 2023? Yeah. Those, all the people cheering are the people that went to bed at like 8 p.m. last night. Everyone else is like, all right. Everyone else is at the coffee bar. Uh, so Happy New Year. Thank you all for uh, being here uh, this morning. If you have uh, your Bibles, turned to you. Uh, John 10 will be our text today, John 10, verses 10 through 17, and also 27. And if you've been at the transit for uh, over a year, at least, you know that every turn of the year, in the month of January, what we, do, uh, what we like to do is we like to go uh, into a topical sermon series. Usually, we preach from books of the Bible or portions of books of the Bible. Uh, after January, we're going to be diving into Ephesians this year. Anyone here excited to dive into Ephesians? Yeah, I'm super jazzed about that. Uh, so for the month of January, we usually do a topical sermon series. Uh, On, like, the spiritual disciplines. So, we've done series on the spiritual disciplines. We've done series on prayer. We've done series looking at uh, the power of praise, if you were here last year. Um, And this year, uh, we felt led to do a sermon series on the voice of God, uh, with the title being He is Not Silent, Hearing God's Voice. So, that's what we're going to be looking at for the next five weeks, because we believe at the transit that in God's sufficient, inerrant, and authoritative scriptures, that God has revealed himself as a God who speaks, as a God who speaks in a variety of ways to his people and through his people. Now, everyone pull out your phones and get ready to take a picture of the quote I'm about to share with you on the screen. This is worth the price of admission. Because the kids are in the service, I might read this and then close in prayer. Uh, (laughs) This is A.W. Tozer. I found this uh, thanks to uh, one of the community groups getting uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month. Got me a Christian bookstore gift card and I got myself a Tozer collection and I discovered this gem and now I'm giving it to you. Here it is. A loving personality dominates the Bible. Great start, Tozer. Walking among the trees of the garden and breathing fragrance over every scene. Always a living person is present, speaking, pleading, loving, working and manifesting himself whenever and wherever his people have the receptivity necessary to receive the manifestation. Now this last line, I love this. The Bible assumes as a self-evident fact that men can know God with at least the same degree of immediacy as they know any other person or thing that comes within the field of their experience. That's good, right? let that's good. Say amen. 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 That's good. So as Christians, what we believe, we believe the greatest news on the planet Earth, that it is possible to relationally know the living God of the universe. And this is actually why we exist, to know God and to love him. We are created from God and we are created for him. And this is the evident fact of scripture, self-evident fact of scripture, that uh, God is so committed To us knowing him relationally, that where our sin sought to separate us from knowing God, that God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to tear down that dividing wall of hostility of our sin on the cross so that we could be restored to relationship and fellowship with our God. Forever, stated differently, Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave his very life. Why? So that he could spend forever with you. Because where you are is where he wants To dwell, and John Piper is famous for saying this line. At least I think he's famous for saying, because whenever I read him, I encounter this this uh, this thought. Is John Piper is known for saying that God is the gospel, that the gospel is not just that we get the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus; it absolutely is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. But it doesn't stop there. The gospel is that we get restored to relationship with God. God is the gospel. We get God because of what Jesus. Christ has done for us. And so all that to say, if the reason you're here right now breathing air is for the sake of knowing and loving and worshiping and serving God, then it's imperative that we learn to hear his voice because what's the foundation to any relationship? The foundation to any relationship between two people is communication. And not just one-way communication, but two-way communication. It's not just that we speak with God, but we believe what the scriptures teach us is that God can and often does speak to us. Hence the sermon series title, He is not silent. That our God has a voice and that we have the ability to hear that voice. So some of the questions we'll be looking at the next five weeks are these questions. One of the first ones is, we're going to be looking at, well, how does God speak to his people? In the word of God, what are the varieties of ways that we see God speak to his people? Like, Nick, when you're saying God speaks and that we can hear his voice, is the only way God speaks, like that creepy audible voice, like, Nick pay your taxes. You know, is that like, is that the voice, right? Is that what we're talking about? And we're going to see that God speaks in, in, in a variety, in a myriad of different ways for a, a, a variety of different reasons. How can we discern God's voice? How do we know it's God? Like, hey, I'm at a coffee shop doing my thing, and all of a sudden I had this thought enter my head. Is that God? Or is that just a double shot of espresso I just had? Is that Holy Spirit? Or is that espresso? What kind of, you know, like what, like what, how do we discern? How do we learn in growing and and understanding his voice. What about this thing called prophecy, Nick? In the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially, especially that you and I desire prophecy, which is hearing the voice of God for the sake of other people so that they will know the love that God has for them. And in 1 Corinthians 14, at the end of that chapter, so that they might come to salvation in God and say that God is really among his people. So what about that thing called prophecy? I've had some bad experiences with that, right? Uh, My first... um, exposure to somebody active in prophetic ministry was when I was in junior high and I had a, a girl come up to me and hand me a letter and the letter explained beautifully and articulately and in a beautiful way that God told her that I was her husband and we were going to get married and I was 12 and so we got married and because God told me she came did to get married anyway so that was my first exposure to someone saying God told me this Right? And often a lot of us have those experiences. Now, I've also been on the receiving end of people hearing God accurately. And me walking into places out of state where they don't know me and someone has a written out word about a visiting pastor that they hand to me. And God read, reads my mail about what is happening in my life and inviting me into a much better state of mind than I was in at that point. So I've, been, I've seen both. So we're going to look at that. How do we pursue that which is God's idea, that which is God's gift to his church? And it's a good gift because it's a gift from the Father to us? How do we pursue that in a way that actually brings God glory and not shame, in a way that builds people up and doesn't harm people? Okay, so we we'll to be looking at that. And lastly, one of the things we're going to be looking at asking and answering is, what do we do when God is silent? Oh, maybe we've lived the vast majority of our Christian life and we know that God has spoken in his word. And if we want to hear God's voice, we open up our scriptures. But what about all the ways the scripture tells us that God speaks in, in different ways? What do we do when God is silent and what do the scriptures commend us to do if we find ourselves in that season? So I don't know about you. I'm really, really excited for this sermon series. I think it's going to be I, my hope and my prayer is that will be life changing for us. That it will instill faith in us, that God's still alive, God's still on the move, God still wants to speak to us and through us, and that it will change our walks with Jesus. And if our walks with Jesus change, everybody who comes into contact with, they, they get what we're getting from God, right? And so this is so crucial to our, our ministry, to our parenting, to our walk with Jesus, is staying in constant close communion with our Good Shepherd. And learning how to grow and discerning his voice, okay? So the question we're asking today, the title of my sermon this morning is The Necessity of God's Voice. The Necessity of God's Voice. So the direction I was going to take, if you know me, was I was going to spend a whole sermon series on answering the question, does God still speak today? And I was going to show you from the scriptures that, yes, God still can speak immediately and directly to his people by his Holy Spirit, thanks to what Jesus Christ has done when he ascended, he poured out the Holy Spirit on his church. And now the presence of God is inside every believer. So the Lord has, blessed you, has immediate and direct access to every believer. I was going to go that route. And instead, I, I felt the direction the Lord in prayer wanted me to go was a completely different direction. And I felt that the direction was not does God still speak today, but uh, we better hope to God he still does. Because we need help. We need guidance. The world out there needs us in here to need God more. To get more desperate for him to posture ourselves on our knees in humility, crying out for God to do something new, to, to move, to move us towards the harvest, to move us towards the mission field. We need guidance. We need a shepherd is what we need. So that's the direction we're gonna be going. And I believe this is what our sermon text in John 10 clearly lays out. So three points of my talk, then we're gonna read the text and jump on in, is this, three points. In order to grow in listening to and discerning and obeying the voice of our good shepherd, three things we should do. One, we have to humble ourselves. Two, we have to repent of our unbelief. And three, we have to believe that God wants to be bothered with us. And I was going to pray about restating that last line because I feel like it doesn't fit, but I'm keeping it, all right? We have to believe that God wants to be bothered with us. John 10, 10 through 17 and 27. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And verse 27, skipping ahead to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you grateful for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that this gathering is all about him. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come and you'd reveal the heart of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, to us this morning. I pray that all eyes would be on Jesus. Lord, that you would would open our eyes to see how near and present the Good Shepherd is. And, and, And the heart that you have for us, Jesus. That there would be nothing more that your flock wants than to stay in constant close communion with you. So, would you open our eyes today? Would you soften any hardness in our hearts, God? And would this year, 2023, be a year of renewed passion and pursuit of you, God? And so, come, Holy Spirit, have your way with your word. Lord, I'm a man in need of help. Would you help me today? Would you speak? Would you magnify Jesus? Would I be forgotten? Would I decrease? And would change happen today? Would our lives be changed? We come humbly under your word, God. Would we posture our hearts in humility to receive what you have for us? So, Lord, we echo the, the prayer of Samuel as he heard your voice, Is learning to hear your voice. Lord, please speak to us through your word today. Your servants are listening. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, point number one in order to grow in hearing and obeying the voice of our shepherd, we got to humble. Ourself. So in our text today, Jesus makes a profound revelation about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. Notice Jesus does not say, I am a good shepherd. There's a lot of other good shepherds. I'm one of many good shepherds. No, Jesus says there's only one shepherd around. There's only one shepherd who's worth following. I am the good shepherd. Implication, what he's getting at, is there's nobody else worthy of following. There's nobody else following. Your life, laying down your life for. And the implication is that anyone who came before me claiming to be the messianic shepherd of God's people, they are false shepherds. Do not follow them. Anyone claiming to come after me. Jesus is making a very truthful, exclusive claim. I am the, not a, I'm not one of many. I am the only, the only good shepherd. And I love John 10:10. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture, as you know, because I bust this out every sermon. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the heart of the good shepherd for his flock, is giving you eternal and abundant life and knowing him and following him. This is the heart of Jesus. Whoever has Jesus as their shepherd will have abundant joy everlasting in him. Your life has meaning. Your life has significance. Your life has purpose. Your life has eternal love, unshakable hope, a peace that surpasses understanding. You have a shepherd. A good shepherd. Now, at this point, hopefully, some of you... Get my my hallelujah corner over here. I didn't prep my kids, but I should have, so I need to hear some amens over there. Was preached, Nick. Tell me about my good shepherd. Tell me about who Jesus has revealed himself to be. Amen, hallelujah. He's the good shepherd. There's another thing that Jesus has revealed in this text. He hasn't just revealed who he is. He's also revealed who we are. Who we are. Now, listen. There are a lot of animals in God's creation, right, over Christmas break, my kids and I watch watching Animal Planet, or Planet Earth, or one of those things, okay, and man, I saw this snow leopard chasing down this mountain goat, and I was like, that's the coolest thing I think I've ever seen, all right, it's amazing, right, there are, what I'm getting at is like snow leopards are really cool, and if you're going to say like something about the nature of Nick Mudder's, I would prefer to be like known as like a snow leopard, you know, or, like a majestic lion, right? That's, that's what I would kind of hope for, right? And notice Jesus doesn't say, My majestic lions know my voice. My mighty Kodiak bears hear my voice. My ferocious T Rexes hear my voice. He says, My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. So I was at a Caps game last week. Someone from the transit won some USO tickets. Two rows behind the glass, behind the net. It was awesome. It's amazing. I didn't know the seats were that good. It was awesome until we got there, and I was like, "Are you are you sure about that?" I've never sat in seats this well. Ovechkin, Alexander Ovechkin, who is a hockey player, the Washington Capitals are a hockey team. Uh, got his 802nd goal while I was there, which made him number two for all-time leading. It was just awesome. Okay. So, anyways, when you go to a professional sports event, the team has a really cool name that you cheer, like C A P S. Caps, caps, caps. My kids, they weren't there. My 2 going to looking at me like, what am I supposed to do? What are you playing? <laughs> now imagine with me, a new team gets planted in uh, a rural, you know, whatever, state. And they name their team the sheep, right? Nobody's going to that game, right? Nobody's cheering. Nobody's buying that jersey. S-H-E-E-P, sheep, sheep, sheep. No one's to like, no. You don't name your team sheep, you name your... If you want to incur fans and a following, don't name your team sheep. And Jesus names his team the sheep, right? And so what do we know about sheep? I'm no farmer, but here's my best shot. At best, sheep are cute and cuddly and warm and fuzzy. And at worst, they're defenseless against threats and often directionless. And so, simply stated, sheep are in constant danger from themselves. Because they're often prone to wander. They're naive and they're foolish. We're, we're at danger from ourselves. The scriptures say that, that, yes, the spirit of God lives inside of us. We're a new creation. And also that we are at war with this, the sinful passions of our flesh. So we're prone to wander. We need help. We need guidance. Like, a, like my car, my Mazda protege used to always drift to the right. It's like a tug-of-war contest whenever I drove this thing. Right? Sometimes our, our natural disposition, right? The flesh, there's a, there's a war over the steering wheel of the direction will go. Spirit versus the flesh. Go read Romans 8. Go read Galatians 5. There's a battle going on between the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you're, so, so Sheep are at constant, in constant danger of themselves. And their sinful predispositions. And they're at threat to others. Why? Because sheep live in a world that's full of wolves. Sheep live in a world full of false shepherds that are seeking to devour them. So simply put, sheep are animals that could use some help. They need people to protect them. They need people to lead them. And so the key to survival for a sheep rests outside of itself in the presence of a good shepherd. So great news for us, if Jesus is saying this about us and we're followers of Jesus, is that one, we have a shepherd who whose orientation towards his sheep is loving them to the very point of death. That this good shepherd is committed to our well-being to the extent that Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. That is the the, the white, hot, zealous commitment of Jesus to his flock. I don't run away when wolves come, in, come. I jump in the way of the wolves. And secondly, we see that the heart of this good shepherd is to provide for and to protect his flock, that this good shepherd has the power to protect and pro- provide for his flock. And thirdly, that this good shepherd has the wisdom to lead and guide this flock where they need to go. Not where they want to go, but where they need to go. That this good shepherd has wisdom. So this is leading back to our first point. In order for us to grow in hearing the voice of our good shepherd, we need to first understand our desperate need for his guidance and leadership over our lives. Meaning this, the bottom line is if you and I don't agree with with Christ's assessment over our life that we are in sheep of need of a shepherd, we'll never seek the guidance of our shepherd. Right? We'll never seek the guidance of our shepherd. And so if for the next Five weeks over this sermon series about uh, uh, hearing the voice of our Good Shepherd, discerning that voice and acting upon that voice. If, if man, me, and some of the other people who are going to be preaching, bring like just, man, out of the park, home runs, not me, but Jake and you and get, you know, whatever, like out of the park, home runs sermons, and you're just like, I love this sermon series. But you and I don't feel a, an, an ounce of need to be led by God and to hear his voice. It changes nothing. It changes Nothing. So it's not just here. What I feel like the direction the Lord wanted me to go was we need to go here first. And we have to humble ourselves. Let 2023, the theme of 2023, be a year of humility where maybe every morning we wake up on our knees, our face on the floor and saying, Lord, I'm a man, I'm a woman in need of help today. Would you be my shepherd? I'm a sheep. I need guidance. I need protection. I need help. Would you give me wisdom on how to glorify you in my workplace? Would you give me wisdom on how to parent my kids? Would you give me wisdom on how to love my neighbor, on how to reach the lost? I need you, God. I need you. And the first key to hearing God's voice is humility. It's recognizing our desperate need for his guidance in our life. So um, I, when I'm driving, uh, I grew up in Northern Virginia, and so I, never, I pride myself in never activating my GPS. My Google Maps, I never hit start route, okay? I often never even want to use the map because I pride myself in I know the way. I don't need guidance. That works about 50% of the time okay, and so some of you are probably the same way, we are like, I don't want to hear another voice, tell me where to go, because I know the way, I don't need another voice, I don't need help, I don't need guidance, I know the way, I don't need anyone else's voice, and so I don't, but here's what happens, when your boy gets lost, and I cry out for help, whose voice do I hear when I hit start? Yeah, the British lady, right? And 200 yards, take a U-Tour, Nick, because you got lost. Like, turn around. You're lost. You're going the wrong way because you're proud. And so what activated that voice to help guide me was my humility, was me understanding that, sure, I might roughly know the way, but I need help. I need turn by turn. I need help. And so it's humility that unlocks that for us. And so for, in, order for God, in order for us to be led by God, in order for God to tell us the way, we have to realize that we don't know and that we need his guidance we need his scriptures we need his presence we need his heart in our anxiety our fear we need his comfort we need his strength in our weakness we need help we need help and the common refrain in the scriptures in both the old testament and the new testament is this god opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and often I think God's opposition to the proud is that he just gives the proud simply what they want, themselves. Like that's the most terrifying thing on the planet is saying, I don't want God, I just want myself. And God's saying, not your will; not my will be done, but your will be done, and I give you, I give you yourself. So that now you are, you are your own shepherd. That's terrifying. And I think that's how God's opposition plays out is he simply just gives the proud what they want. And the tragedy of that is if you can live your life without God, then you most likely will live your life without God. And the common refrain that I'm talking about was written to believers. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's not, this is written to New Testament churches. So what we see there is is we as Christians, as sheep, we can get proud and flex our sheep muscles and think that we don't need our shepherd. And if we stay humble, though, here's the great news, if we stay humble, God has something to give those in need. God has something to give those who ask. God has something to give those who need guidance, and the grace he gives is more of his empowering presence to live the Christian life. And so when we turn from our wisdom and our power, guess who's available to be our power and our wisdom? Our good shepherd. That what we sang about this morning, Jesus tore the veil. We have access to God, who's, who's, who's uh, present with us by his indwelling spirit, which means that in any situation, in any place we're at, we can, as sheep, tug on the hem of the garment of our good shepherd and ask him for wisdom. Lord, I don't know what to do in this parenting situation. I don't know what to do in this work conflict. I don't know what to do with this future thing coming up. Would you speak? Would you, would you help? Would you give wisdom? Would you give guidance? Right, that's some of the best parenting you can do is, is, is constant close communion with Jesus, is praying and listening and seeing what God begins to do. And it's in our weakness that we access his strength. And so first point is this. I'll move on to my second point, is we have to get desperate God again. We have to understand our great need for him. Paul Miller has an amazing book called A Praying Life. Uh, It is on the bookshelf, uh, the bookstore over there, only for 10 bucks, so it's cheaper than you can find anywhere else on Amazon. 10 bucks there. He does, I think, my encouragement to you, if you have not read A Praying Life by Paul Miller, over the next five weeks, that would be a great book to read, coinciding with the sermon series. And it's a book on prayer, and what Paul Miller says, you've heard me say this a million times, he says this, The secret to a better praying life is not more discipline, it's more desperation. It's not more discipline, it's more desperation. The secret to hearing God's voice is not more discipline, it's more desperation. So let our our prayer today, let our heart cry be, God, I need more of you in my life. Maybe pray that prayer this morning. I can't live without you, God. I don't want to live without you, God. In 2023, I need your voice. I need your guidance. I need your presence. I want to live my life. as close to the the good shepherd as I can. Let that be our cry coming into this sermon series in 2023. Second point is not only do we have to humble ourselves and recognize what Jesus says about us, that we're sheep who need a shepherd, we need his guidance. We have to repent of our unbelief. Point number two is we have to repent of our unbelief. If we're honest with ourselves, my default setting and kind of our default setting in the Western church is that God is silent and absent from our lives. The way we live our lives is, is we kind of never expecting God to doing anything or saying anything at all, ever. We live like sheep without a shepherd, or we believe we have a shepherd, we just believe that he's a silent shepherd. He's an inactive shepherd. He's not present to heal, to save, to, to speak, to guide. And what John 10 clearly articulates is that Jesus says, crystal clear, revealing his nature. He says, I'm not a silent shepherd, I am a speaking shepherd. That our shepherd has a voice, and our shepherd uses that voice, and his sheep can understand that voice. My sheep know my voice. And so I think one of the biggest keys in order to grow in hearing and discerning God's voice is believing that He is still speaking today to you and I. He's still speaking to us today. And so, my question to us this morning I want to challenge kind of our default settings of our view of God. How do you view God? What's your default setting of what God's capable of doing? What's your expectation of God for this year in your life and through your life? What are your expectations of what God can do? What do you think he's capable of? Do you think, do you believe he has more that he wants to give to you of his presence, of his guidance, of his spirit, or is God just done with you and he's left you on your own? What is your default expectation of God and what he's doing? You want to know what Ephesians 3.20 says? the inspired Holy Scripture speaking through the Apostle Paul, this is what our expectations should be. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. God wants our expectations here, full of faith, not all the way down here. Our default setting should be faith and not doubt, saying God can... And if he chooses to, he will, not God can't and God won't. And one of the most common rebukes that Jesus had for the disciples in the Gospels is he would just ask them a simple question. Where is your faith? Do you have any idea who I am? Do you have any idea who's in the boat with you? Because if you truly knew, I mean, we see in part, we know in part, but if you truly knew who is in the boat with you, you wouldn't be freaking out about the wind and the waves. If you truly knew who was at your side, you wouldn't be a shaken or shaken. If you truly knew who your God was, who your shepherd was, who's present with you by the Spirit, your actions would look differently. That's what Jesus is saying. Where is your faith? Meaning, who do you think I am? Am I the God who can do abundantly more than all you ask or think? That, that, or, or, or am I the God who will never act? What do you think about me? Because it'll change how you act. This is the principle of living a life of faith. The more I expect God to act, the more I'll take action on that belief, which will lead to me seeing God act more. That's what faith is. Is I believe God will show up on the other end of me obeying what he's told me to do in his word. And then I go and I take into faith, not knowing if he'll show up, and I take in faith, and if he chooses to, he shows, he shows up. Right? That's faith. And the contrast to the principle of faith is saying, I, I'm, I'm, on my default setting, we have, to, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to renew our minds with what we believe about God. As I have to change it to, I expect God to act, therefore I will act upon that belief, and therefore I will see God uh, act. And the flip side of that is the less I expect God to act, the less I'll act upon that belief, and the less I'll see of God. Let me illustrate that. So anyone here, a car guy, any gal, a car, car girl, like knows how to fix cars and stuff? None of us. Okay, cool. I'm not the only one. All right. My dad is really good with cars. So before he had a career as a police officer, he was a mechanic. And um, if anything is ever wrong with my car, my car starts making like a funny noise. like duh, 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 I call my dad and I know that he can troubleshoot stuff. He can I have an expectation that if I go to my dad, he will show up and, and I could ask him. And if he chooses to, he'll fix the problem. It's in his power and his ability to do that. And so I needed new struts on my Toyota Highlander I have an older car. And uh, every time we would hit a pothole, me and my kids, our heads would like hit the ceiling. You know, it was like off- we're off-roading and all that stuff. So I was in Brazil for about 10 days in December. And uh, my dad before that was like, hey, can I, can I fix your struts? And I was like, yes, please. I got an estimate for thousands of dollars to do that. I would gladly have you do that. And so I drove my car to his house and I handed him the keys. And I gave him full authority to do that, believing full well that he would do that. That's, here's my expectation of my dad. Expectation, my dad can fix cars. I acted upon that. Here's my car. And then what did I see? I said, man, I don't know how my dad did that. My dad replaced all the struts on my car, like the springs, you know, the shock absorbers. Like he replaced those. And so now I got, I got brand new wheels, baby. It's awesome. All right? And so if I, what I'm getting at is if I looked at my dad and my dad said, hey, I can fix your car. Hey, I used to be a mechanic. Hey, like, give me your car come close, I want to talk to you, I want want to help you out. And if my default setting was, I doubt your ability, you're not able, you can't do that, no chance. I would keep my car from him, I wouldn't act upon that, and therefore, I would never experience what my dad's capable of doing, and he wouldn't be glorified in my life as a dude who can fix some cars really well, right? And so I think it's the same for faith, our faith in God. And so, over these next five weeks, I think we need to change our default settings. Where if we don't expect God ever, to, if we don't ever expect to hear God's voice, we'll never posture ourselves to listen to His voice, and therefore probably not hear Him speak. And I'll illustrate this, and then we'll uh, uh, slowly wrap up here. Uh, kids present, so I got to wrap up. Um, uh, the last three to four years, God has been speaking to me in my dreams in a way that I had never experienced ever. I'm not going to go too much into this because we're going to talk about how God speaks to us in our dreams in a later sermon in a variety of ways. I have a lot of stories, crazy stories, where um, a future event, uh, when my family will, like whatever happened, and I'll act upon that and then it actually happens exactly like a dream, like a couple days before. Crazy. I'll have people I haven't talked to in 10 years appear to me in my dream. And I'll get information about them, specific information that there's just absolutely no way I can know. I have to search them out on Facebook, awkwardly message them, get a phone call. And then I call them up and I'm saying, hey, I don't know if this is God or not. It might be God. I believe he still speaks today. He still speaks to dreams. And so I share this and I say, I think this is what God wants you to know. But give me this. And then they go silent. I think they hung up the phone. But then they're weeping on the other end of the phone line because God just showed up in their life. And they were distant from God for 15, 20 years but, but I, with this phone I have so many stories. I, could show, I want to share so many stories. But what, I was getting, what I'm getting at is this. My natural default settings for my entire Christian life were that, and I didn't, I didn't write this out. I didn't actually think this out. I'm just challenging our assumptions. For the majority of my Christian walk with Jesus, God doesn't speak to me in dreams. So with that being my natural default setting, I didn't, for the vast majority of my Christian life, experience God speaking to me in my dreams as far as I know. Now, was that because God only has been speaking to me these last three to four years in my dreams for the sake of other people, for the sake of his glory, for the sake of sinners coming back to salvation, coming back to the heart of their shepherd? I'm going to tell you, I've got close to 100 of these stories where I've done the best ministry in my sleep these past three and four years. I go to sleep, and, I've got, and I'm like, I think this is from the Lord. and I go, I'm like, I don't know. And then, boom, like, God's just changing people's lives. It's amazing. So what I'm getting at is this. My default setting was God never speaks. So, so very well, for the vast majority of my Christian life, God could have been speaking to me. My, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. You don't have to believe it. God very well could have been speaking to me in my dreams, and I could have had vivid dreams that were very symbolic about people I hadn't thought through in a long time, thought about in a long time, and I just ignored it because why? My natural default setting was it's not God. It's just a dream. In fact, I don't have a Bible with me. I hold up a Bible and say, Old Testament, New Testament, God speaks in dreams to his people. Right? And so these last three to four years, it's God's grace where all of a sudden he started doing this in my life, and I started... started I started discovering literature as I was coming out of seminary, out of Reformed Theological Seminary, which was basically God doesn't speak at all uh, directly to his people. is what that seminary taught. I discovered other, other theologians who thought differently and that the scriptures taught differently. And then all of a sudden I heard all these stories and then all of a sudden God began to do this in my expectations. So what I'm getting at, I hope you hear, hear what I'm saying, is that um, it's just that, that right there is an example of how we need to change our default settings and believe that God is still on the move and that God can still speak. And this is what, uh, don't take my word for it, Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now let that sink in. Reflect on that. Chew on that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We exist to please God. That we can please God. Well, how do we please God? Not through doubt, not through doubting what he can do, but having faith in what he can do, more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Since the one who draws near to him, so we see there that, yes, positionally, we're righteous in Jesus, that nothing can change our status as sons and daughters, but that as followers of Jesus, we can draw near to the heart of God. That relationally, we can get close to his heart. We can get close to his voice. That we can draw near in faith, believing that he exists, he's present by his spirit, and that he rewards those who seek him. And so that's the great news for us, is that the biblically ordained means of getting a a prayer request is asking, is seeking, is knocking. Jesus says those who ask receive, those who seek find. Those who knock the door will be open. Luke 11, how much more will the Father give more of the Holy Spirit, his guiding presence and empowering grace? How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we in faith, these next five weeks, can draw near to God, believing that he rewards those who seek him, and his reward is just more of his presence. That's the greatest reward. It's our jaw on the floor with what he's able to do. And so what are your default settings? Before I wrap up here with this final point, what are your default settings about God? And do they line up with Ephesians 3.20? Not what I say. Don't listen to a thing I say with what the scriptures say about what God has done. In the scriptures, God has shown shown himself to be a God who can do far more abundantly than all we ask, think, or imagine. Is that our God that we worship and serve? And if we begin to have our expectation match the expectations that God's word wants us to keep, then I believe you and I will begin to act on that and we'll begin to see God move in us and through us in ways we have never encountered before. And what I've seen in my journey is that God kind of woke me up from a slumber I was in about three years ago, and I have seen in three years, I've seen God do more than I've seen him do in the entire uh, ministry before that. So God has more for you. God has more for us. He's eternal. Uh, He's all powerful. Uh, He's all wise. So he has more wisdom. He has more strength. He has more leadership, more guidance for our lives that he wants to give us. All right, so let's get humble. Let's repent of our unbelief. And lastly, I'll conclude with this. I'll conclude with the third point, is we have to believe that God wants to be bothered by us. Uh, Some of you in this room, maybe you believe this. You believe, yes, Nick, of course, I know more than anybody else that I need God, that I I need more of his presence. I need help. I believe that. I got you there. Nick, of course, I believe God still speaks today. Absolutely, God speaks today. I 1,000% I, I, am with you on that. I just don't believe God speaks to me. When Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, that's for um, the varsity-level sheep. I'm the JV squad sheep, right? That's for the qualified sheep. I'm the unqualified sheep to hear his voice. And the great news about qualification, at least coming from John 10, about who's qualified to hear his God's voice, is whether or not you're a sheep. If you belong to the fold of God, you have a shepherd who has a voice, and you have the ability to hear his voice. doesn't say the qualified sheep, the varsity-level sheep, just the prophetically gifted sheep. If you are a sheep, if you are a child of God, you have the Spirit of Christ inside of you. You have the ability to grow in hearing his voice. And I think our problem is this, is in our relationship with God, and I've been on this journey, and honestly, Paul Miller's book, of Praying Life, has really helped me in this. That's why I always recommend it. Is my posture, especially coming out of seminary, my relationship, my posture to God... Which is good. Which is good. Don't hear me say something I'm not saying. Don't cancel me. Don't hear me say something I'm saying. Is this? Is that? God relationally to me, God is Lord. God is holy. Holy, holy, holy. So therefore, I. And so the implication of that that was it was this that God was just Lord. The revelation of God to me was just Lord. So He's holy, and I'm just a, a wretched sinner. So I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to stay distant. And what Psalm 23 says is that, yes, he's the Lord. 1,000%. We should have fear. We should have reverence of God. Yes, he's Lord. But what does Psalm 23 once say? He says, the Lord, the God of creation, the thrice holy God, perfectly righteous and just, is my shepherd. Is my shepherd. And often we believe this lie that really destroys our fellowship with God. We believe this lie. God is too big. God is too holy, he's too important, and I'm too small and insignificant to, be, to bother him. He's holy, he's Lord, he's got more important fish to fry than to care about my mess, so I'm not going to bother him with the small details of my life. Maybe for like big, like big things, I'll talk to him, but he's too busy, he's too holy. And Jesus says, yes, I'm Lord, but the, the how do you say it? The, uh, almost the, the shocking goodness of the gospel is that yes that lord of the universe also dwells in the midst of lowly sheep isaiah 57:15 says this and band you can come up and i will conclude band with this <laughs> for thus says the one who is high and lifted up who inhabits eternity whose name is holy i dwell in the high and holy place it doesn't stop there Yes, God is Lord. Yes, He is holy. Yes, Jesus is seated on the throne and every knee bends to Him. And watch this. There's another place that He dwells. And I also dwell with Him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So the Lord, who dwells in heaven and is ruling over all things, also dwells in the midst of lowly sheep. To comfort them, to restore, to lead, to heal. And begs the question: Why would God want to hang out with us? Why would God want to be bothered by us? Because Jesus loves his flock. Jesus loves his own. And love always manifests in proximity. Love always draws near. And so I think for us moving forward, in order to hear the voice of God, we have to know the heart of God, that God truly loves us and wants to be bothered by us. And the heart of our good shepherd is that he wants to be invited into our mess. The heart of our good shepherd is he wants to be invited into our daily anxiety. He wants to be invited into our fears. He wants to be invited into our shame. He wants to be invited into the mundane. He doesn't want to be boxed out of our lives. He wants to be present to help and comfort and lead and guide his own. This is the very reason the good shepherd came to lay down his life for the sheep so that by his spirit this good shepherd could dwell with the lowly, the contrite, the messy, the scared, the anxious, the burnt out, and the fearful sheep. This is the very reason he came. And I'll conclude with this quote. This book is also in the bookstore here. It's a great devotional guide, Gentle and Lowly by Dana Ortland. I'll uh, conclude with this, and then we'll uh, celebrate communion. A compassionate doctor has traveled. This is all about the heart of the good shepherd. Please listen. Stay with me one more minute. A compassionate doctor has traveled deep into the jungle to provide medical care to a primitive tribe afflicted with a contagious disease. He has had the medical equipment flown in. He has correctly diagnosed the problem. The antibiotics are prepared and available. He is independently wealthy and has no need of any kind of financial compensation. But as he seeks to provide care, the afflicted refuse. They want to take care of themselves. They want to heal on their own terms. Finally, a brave, few young men step forward to receive the care being freely provided. What does that doctor feel? Joy. His joy increases to the degree that the sick come to him for help and healing. It's the whole reason he came. Now, how much more if the disease sinner How much more if the disease are not strangers, but his own family? So with us, and so with Christ. Jesus does not get flustered and frustrated when we come to him for fresh forgiveness, for renewed pardon, with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He went down into the horror of death and plunged out through the other side in order to provide a limitless supply of mercy and grace to his people, and Christ gets more joy and comfort than we do when we come to him for help and mercy. Let me say that if you didn't get that. Jesus Christ gets more joy and comfort than we do when we come to him for help and mercy. So let's go to him now in prayer. Would you help us to see your heart for us? How much it grieves you when we box out your presence in our life. The Lord says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He wants to feast with us, He wants to fellowship with us. Forgive us, Lord, when we've relegated your presence. outside the house and I pray right now by the spirit that people would begin to open the door to you Lord Holy Spirit you bring conviction conviction always leads to life it doesn't lead to death condemnation leads to death conviction is the greatest gift you can give Holy Spirit because it's turning from death to life and so would you come Holy Spirit and convict us
1: of those areas
0: where we're boxing out your presence those areas where we've gotten proud we know we maybe maybe in the past seasons we've cried out to you for daily help and daily sustenance but now we're in a season of comfort and we've just totally forgotten you would you forgive us for that and lord i do pray by your spirit just by your undeserved grace god for all of us the transit family that we would encounter you in new and fresh ways that like we never had before Lord, there's so much that you have for us. You're so good. We don't have to feel like we're abandoned and alone. We don't have to wrestle with all the fears and insecurities and anxieties of life alone. You're with us. You're present. You're our ever-present help. Not our never-present help. You're our ever-present help in time of need. So would you come and... And be the God who can do abundantly more than all we ask and think. I, think for just, I just pray for a great increase of your voice in our life, Lord God. Your scriptures would come to life in our time with you, God. We hear your still small voice. But there would be non-believers that come to know you, Jesus, because as we're just in the grocery store, you begin to speak to us of your love for those that we've never met. And most importantly, God, would you just lead us again? We humble ourselves, God. We want to be led by you. We don't want to be led by false shepherds. We don't want to be led by ourselves. We want to be led by you, God. So would you return to us the love we had at first, God? Maybe those seasons in our life we look back on and we just were passionately in love with you, just overwhelmed in love with you and constantly praying, constantly reading your word, constantly rejoicing in who you are, God. Would you return us to that, God? And anything that's in the way, anything that's, that's uh, throwing water on the flame of our heart for you, God, will we repent of that today? Would you lead us in repentance, God? So we thank you, Lord, that uh, as our head hits the pillow tonight, Jesus, you're there at our bedside. You're present with us. When, our, when we wake up tomorrow morning and we're getting our kids ready for school or we're going to work, Lord, that you're with us, you're waiting for us, that that's your heart, you're at our kids' bedside. You're present by your spirit that when we leave here and go home, you're there. You're always accessible. Who is like you, oh God? You're always willing to listen. You're always inviting us to come. The veil is torn. So, Lord, may we run to you in faith. May we run to you and stop running elsewhere, God. Be our shepherd again. Let us be led by you. Let us hear your voice again, oh God. And anything that gets in the way, God, whether we repent of that today. We want to be led by you. We want to know you, God. That's why we exist. Reignite us again. Set our souls aflame with affection for you again, Lord Jesus. May we no longer be content with the comfort and apathy in our pursuit of you, God. Give us this gift of grace. I need it, God. I'm crying out. We need it, God. Awaken us again, God. Awaken us again pray this in your beautiful name, Lord Jesus, amen. All right, let's celebrate uh, the new year by celebrating our good shepherd, that we are not abandoned sheep, we are not defenseless sheep, sheep, but we have a shepherd, what this meal commemorates, if you need communion elements, they're there in the hallway, feel free to grab them, that our shepherd so loves us, he was willing to lay down his life for us to deliver us from our greatest enemies that we're seeking to steal and to kill and destroy he saved us from our sins he's ripped us out of the clutches of the devil and we're going to spend eternity with him forevermore and this all came about because we have a good shepherd whose heart is to die for his sheep so that through his death we might live with him forever So this is who we celebrate, this is what we celebrate today as Christians, and may the gospel, the goodness of our shepherd, the love of our shepherd make us leave here with joy and peace, knowing that we are taken care of and we're in good hands. We're in his nail-scarred hands. So uh, as the band is playing, uh, the last couple songs of response, continue to fellowship with your good shepherd, and as you feel led, take the communion elements, and I will close us with a benediction.